Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this next episode of the Wenzel Perspective. Glad everybody can join with us today. As we're going to go in depth with a little bit more football again for this first segment. And then the next segment, we're going to get a little bit into some basketball. This will be the first time we can dab into some basketball for a little while. So we're going to kind of talk about the NBA Finals and similar topics there. But otherwise, uh, to start out today, I was going to mention to our viewers here that if you have a chance, we're uh, getting a little bit more affiliated with social media. Cam's got our Twitter page up and running as well as our Instagram pages. So if you have a chance and you would like to go follow our page out for some new content on a regular basis, be glad to check that out. That's some good stuff that Cam will put on there and hopefully that it'll appeal to you some of the content that we put and hopefully get our opinions and maybe you can give us our, your opinions and see if we have a nice friendly sports debate. But otherwise, yeah. uh, oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'd say definitely like try to comment back if you can. It definitely makes it more fun and easier for us when we can like respond to some of you guys. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a good idea. That way uh, people don't have to realize just commenting on our posts when we actually submit our finished uh, episode. So that's a good idea for deflated with us but otherwise we'll get right into our uh our football discussion to kind of preview some of the stuff that happened over the weekend and you know what to honor cam for this segment we'll start off with his vikings and they uh, had a tough tough loss to the tennessee titans was it 31 30 to final is that what they what the final was yep so what are your thoughts about that so far vikings are 0 three it's kind of not what you expected so far now was it I don't know. I'm kind of going on the hashtag tank for Trevor page here. <laughs> um, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Um, no, there's a lot of positives out of that game, though. I mean, Delvin Cook and Justin Jefferson had career days. I mean, Cook had 181 yards and a touchdown, and Jefferson had 175 yards and a touchdown. Um, it was nice to see Cousins actually looking for other guys other than Thielen, um, except this game he really only targeted Jefferson. He didn't really look anywhere else. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess they they didn't play too bad. Their defense held them the field goals. It's just they made all six of them. So, just got to get a little bit better. I mean, it was definitely a stride compared to the last two weeks. Yeah, Dan Bailey looked like he was the main weapon for the Vikings yesterday, didn't he? You look at uh, – <laughs> you you, now the Titans are a good team. They – they're three and zero, so I mean, that that's a good uh, a good challenge for the Vikings in that aspect. But you look at Kirk Cousins now; was a definitely a step ahead this last weekend compared to last weekend for Cousins. Cousins, I know, had another two interceptions, but he did throw a little bit more efficient in terms of passing. He had a went sixteen for twenty seven, so that's over over fifty percent. It's about sixty percent. Two fifty one for yardage, three touchdowns, and then as I said, the two picks kind of hurt him a bit, but. It was a step up compared from the last week. Yeah, he was a little fortunate because Kyle Rudolph had a one-handed touchdown snag that probably wouldn't have been caught by most people. And then also they did have a pick six that got called back. So he was fortunate so, yeah. in that in that aspect. He did also have a fumble too, but it was recovered. And then you look at Justin Jefferson, his first big-time game as an NFL rookie. Seven receptions for 175 yards and a touchdown. So that's certainly promising in that aspect for the Vikings. Someone opposite Adam Thielen has a little bit more production in the receiving game. 
Now, Thielen did have a touchdown as well, but only accumulated for three catches for 29 yards. So you, as, not only as a fantasy football uh, owner, if you have Justin Jefferson, but a Viking fan such as yourself, it's got to be kind of exciting to see Jefferson put up those numbers. Yeah, a little Randy Moss flashbacks there. Absolutely, except it wasn't three catches for three, three touchdowns, though. <laughs> and yeah, of he, course, was, he, he was the first Viking rookie, though, to have 100 yards in one half since Moss. That's good because there's been some good rece- several good receivers since the Randy Moss, Chris Carter era in Minnesota in the late 90s, early 2000s. So that's quite, a, quite an accomplishment for Justin Jefferson. And, of course, it was the battle of the running backs. Delvin Cook, another solid game, 22 carries for 181 yards and a touchdown, about eight yards a carry. And, of course, Derrick Henry had 119 yards and two touchdowns on Tennessee's end. Ryan Tannehill, who had a solid start to the year, about 321 yards passing, no touchdowns. And, and he had a pick, but the Titans are three and all. And is that the team you kind of can see that's going to be the, the front runner in the uh, AFC South? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Kirk, I mean, Ryan Tannehill doesn't really need to do too much right now. He's still getting in his groove. Uh, AJ Brown's out. So that's obviously going to make a difference, but that leads me kind of into my first question I got for you, which is, can you see Derrick Henry continuing to produce at this rate? I mean, he's had three games so far, all over 25 carries, 31, 25, and 26. I mean, it's early in the year. Can can he keep this up for another 13 games plus in the playoffs if they make it? Well, he did it last year. He had 15 over 1,500 yards last year and 16 touchdowns. So was he was he getting this type of like workload early on? I don't I don't really remember. Um, yeah, I, I don't really remember, but I mean, I'm sure it was a hefty workload if you had 15, 1600 yards. They, no. also, they also had, uh, Dion Lewis though, that also got some carries and like was a receiving back. I mean, their next, uh, leading rusher was Ryan Tannehill with four rushes. So, I mean, there's not much going on elsewhere then. I think they also are dependent with their defense staying on the field though for often. I know they... Titans are a good third down team in terms of, you know, their third down defensive percentage. So the defense can be on the field for a while, but they do make some nice stops. I mean, they do end up doing enough just to close it away. I mean, besides Derrick Henry, the Titans offense really isn't that sexy. And like I said, Ryan Tannehill. Well, AJ Brown is out. So that's definitely making a difference. Right. And of course, Delaney Walker is no longer a part of the team. He just, couldn't find a spot because he couldn't stay healthy. Corey Davis is up and down. And Jonu Smith, who had a big outing last weekend, was mildly silent with five receptions for 61 yards. So, And you and their defense is, you know, you got Kenny Vaccaro back there, Jonathan Joseph, Harold Landry, Malcolm Butler, and, of course, you got Jadavian Clowney. So you got some solid guys that just kind of give you a little bit of balance on both sides of the field. And I think the Titans, if they can look back at, you know, coming up short in the playoffs – this last last year, I think they have a little bit of momentum kind of carrying into this year now, especially if Tannehill can keep playing, find that consistent year he's had now. He's been in the league for about eight, nine years, whatever it has been. So if he can find a nice solid little outing with Tennessee this year, I think they can do some nice things. Right. I mean, they're definitely in a little bit of a weaker division, and the Texans are struggling now as they've faced three pretty tough opponents. So they'll probably get it going soon here. But, I mean – you. It's looking good so far for the Titans, though. 
Yes, and now we'll jump into uh, the Green Bay Packers-New Orleans Saints game, primetime game on NBC last night. It's kind of a back-and-forth game, several lead changes and so, and then suddenly Taysom Hill had a fumble late in the second half that kind of resulted in a Green Bay touchdown and a Green Bay firm hold on that lead. What are your thoughts? Did you really get a chance to watch the game at all? I know you're a Viking fan, so I'm, not, I'm just going to ask you if you did get a chance to watch any of this game. Yeah, I did end up watching the majority of it. Um I think the Packers and Saints are kind of a similar team. They both got a elite receiver. They both got pretty elite dual threat running backs and then obviously some legendary quarterbacks. But like Michael Thomas, Devonta Adams are both out. So it kind of came down to Aaron Rodgers versus Drew Brees and Aaron Jones versus Alvin Kamara. And I think the play by the just the gameplay by Rodgers outdid Brees so that the Packers could get that win. I was very surprised at how efficient both these guys were. Breeze obviously missing Thomas and Rogers obviously missing Adams. So it was kind of, kind of nice to see guys like Alan Lazard step up in the receiving game. And I know he's had a lot of potential. He's been highly touted since his high school days. Alvin Kamara was the main guy in the new Orleans receiving field, having 13 receptions for 139 yards and two touchdowns. It's pretty, yeah, I mean, he had six rushes. <laughs> yeah. And, those rushes went for almost 10 yards a carry, which was incredible. So they didn't need to use them. They used mostly Latavius Murray probably to kind of keep the efficiency of Elva Kamara. Cause Elva Kamara is kind of an injury prone running back. You saw that last year, he missed a few games with an ankle injury and he just wasn't as effective when he was on the field, probably because that injury was often on a nagging type injury with him throughout the year. And then you saw Emmanuel Sanders finally get on the board with a touchdown this year. He was rather quiet the first two games of the year after being one of the more consistent wide receivers, probably a top 20, 25 receiver consistently in the league the last 10 years or so. So it was a nice back and forth game until that Taysom Hill fumble for New Orleans kind of gave the momentum from Green Bay to take ahead. And then New Green Bay made a nice stop defensively to kind of stop the, the back and forth uh, sequence that was going on. So it was it was a it was a nice game between two Super Bowl contending teams out of the NFC, and Packers had a nice matchup. I'm still confident that the Saints are still one of the best teams in the NFL, and it, as we mentioned in our last episode, it's early. They still New Orleans has plenty of weapons, and especially once Michael Thomas comes back, defenses are going to have a tough time stopping that New Orleans offense. Yeah, one thing from the Packers standpoint is going forward, I'd like to see them get. Aaron Jones a little more involved in the passing game like they did week two. I mean, he only had two catches for 17 yards in this game. And, I mean, he's arguably a better receiver than he is running uh, running the ball. I mean, he's very good at both of them. But... Well, and Jamal Williams was rather quiet, too, in the receiving game as well. He, of course, he only had one catch for three yards as well. And he had last year as a backup running back 40, 45 receptions, which is pretty good for a number two running back. Right. So, I mean, I'd – I'd say Jones is probably like I'd rather I'd trust Jones more than Scantling if throwing the ball. I do too. I've I've always said, and I'm gonna kind of refer. Me and Austin Davies had a conversation one day about it because he's a kind of a, a strong fan of Mark Quesvelda Scantling, and I'm not mostly because Velda Scantling has been in the offense. This is his third year, I think, and he really hasn't proven he can do a consistent amount of capable things. Yes, he's there for a threat like the Packers were against the, the Vikings when he had a, a nice game, 90 yards or so in that touchdown. But it's more of a consistency factor. So he was only held to a catch for five yards against New Orleans last night. 
Yeah, in a game where there's no Devontae Adams, he needs to be stepping up. You're expecting Valdez Scantling to be the guy that steps up, and basically the guy who stepped up was the tight end Robert Tanyan, who had five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown, a guy that you really never see being efficient in the Packers, not just the receiving game, but the overall offense. He's more of a blocking tight end anyway. So you look at that aspect, basically only Lazard, you said you've seen Valdez Scantling were the only receivers to have a catch. So seven catches between two receivers. Otherwise all the catches came from either tight ends or running backs. Yeah. That's so kind of surprising considering uh, Rogers doesn't really use his tight ends too much. No. And even I had a conversation with Corey yesterday about that. Cause we watched the game and I even said that too, we just don't see enough production out of our tight ends. And we've always had solid tight ends, but Green Bay just doesn't use them wisely enough where they can be even more of, even more efficient offense, even though they are been efficient so far this year and they have been in the Aaron Rodgers era, but just think how much more they could do. You really haven't seen that big type of tight end production since the Jermichael Finley days of the late 20, 2000s and early 2010s. Yeah. And they've, I think they've definitely had better tight ends than Finley. Yep. All right. So, so I guess we probably should move on to the, the bigger story in the NFC North, which is the Chicago bears. There's a lot to talk about there, but we'll try to keep that relatively short, I guess. You got if anybody if anybody saw Cameron's post there on Twitter for the Wenzel perspective, he kind of called me out a little bit when we did our fantasy football <laughs> positional <laughs> our positional uh, the people who waiver we think, wire pickups. Yeah, our, our uh, recommended waiver wire pickups. I uh made a bad bad choice of advice for some of you, so hopefully none of you listened to me what I had to say, but <laughs> our quarterbacks I recommended people uh Mitch Trubisky was a a pickup considering the Falcons are one of the weaker secondaries in the league and Trubisky coming into the season two and all and he's been he had filled his role nicely then he looked just god awful against Atlanta yesterday and he was 13 for 22 128 yards and a touchdown and a pick (laughs) you look at the stats they're not totally bad he did have a he did have a 45 yard run but I think just some some common sense fundamental plays he just couldn't convert, and I think that gave Matt Nagy, the head coach, enough enough of, the, of a decision to say, "Hey, this is this, we're, this is, we're an NFL franchise. We got we got to need a quarterback making more consistent throws. Let's go with the veteran that has a Super Bowl reign in Nick Foles, and Nick Foles came in and did some quick work. So and let him down from twenty points down against Atlanta, and Atlanta with another choke." And Chicago's 3-0, and Atlanta's 0-3 because of it. Well, I don't know. I just like Foles is such a better passer. You just got that pocket presence. Where Trubisky, it just seems like he's all over the place and he's just wild. It was nice to see Allen Robinson finally have a little bit of success with 10 catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. That's kind of That was kind of our big conversation online that we've had on social media is we recently came out with our top 10 receivers. You can go check that out on both our socials. And neither of us had Allen Robinson in our top 10. And I was kind of saying that maybe if he gets a little bit of quarterback play, which he might now with Foles, that you could see him in our top 10 potentially. Me I'll just, anyways. I'll just address that now. When, when I did my rankings, I was really flustered when it came from spots 7 to 13. Because I had Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, and Calvin Ridley just outside my top 10. And you can make a case I could swap Keenan Allen for Adam Thielen. And I – I know um, Juju Smith-Schuster might have been a question or a surprise to some people, but I think when you look at not last year but the year before, 
when Ben Roethlisberger played a full season and you look at the production Juju Smith-Schuster put up, he had over 100 receptions and over 13 or 1,200 yards or so and like 11, 12 touchdowns, numbers an elite receiver should get. So that you look at that, he's got and he's, he's a great receiver. He's a former five-star guy coming out of high school, so he's always been touted, you know, obviously going to USC. So I've, I always thought that Juju Smith was kind of the uh, – is an underrated receiver in my opinion. So I just kind of wanted to clear the air on that because it was kind of a tough, a tough no, I, for me. I'm just, I agree. I, yeah, I'm just saying There's it was a, a lot tough. of interchangeability when you get starting to that seven, eight mark. You look at one through four, one through four is pretty much a clear, is a clear set with Hopkins, well, I mean, Thomas, Jones, I, and Adams. You could interchange a few, but there's nobody else that belongs on the top four. No. I mean, I, I was kind of skeptical putting Mike Evans at high. Mike Evans either is a boomer bust type guy. So it's, it was kind of skeptical, but I don't think there really is a consistent threat at the number five or six spot. And then you got a next tier set tier of guys who can really do damage, but just not at the level of Hopkins or Thomas or Adams or Jones. Right. I know a lot of people like having Tyree kill at that five spot. And I just don't think he's really that great of a receiver. I don't think if he was, on any other team, he'd be having the success that he does. He's lucky that he has Mahomes that can throw the ball 70 yards down the field. Yep. That's kind of, and that's kind of the success that Rodgers had 10 years ago when you had Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson and James Jones because those guys, you had enough targets on the field to open things up and hard for a defense to scout and really focus on one target. And it even got Greg Jennings to a, to back in the day where he would just go down 50, 60 yards downfield and Mahomes has a similar arm to Rodgers, so Rodgers could just lace it out down 60 yards, 65 yards downfield. So, yeah, I get your, right. I get what you're saying, saying about the Tyreek Hill comp. Right. Yeah, that's kind of the same with some other guys in there. You can talk about, like, Allen Robinson, like I mentioned. Um, yeah, but I, gonna I, try to get, I totally forgot about Allen Robinson, too. Yeah. So we're, we'll try to get more of those out with, like, running backs, quarterbacks, et cetera, in the near future. But I got one more question for you or I guess kind of two before we move on to our NBA segment here. So do you think the Bills are a legit Super Bowl contender? And can Josh Allen really have a chance at MVP? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. And I think the, the Bills are playing some really good football right now. And they did have a night. I, w- I enjoyed seeing him in the playoffs last year when Josh Allen was – and I always thought Josh Allen – was a was this underrated quarterback and he didn't do much on the ground like he normally does he did get a touchdown yesterday against the Rams but he had four touchdowns over 300 yards in the air and he's got another weapon now it's Stefan Diggs that he can throw to so they've, they've got a nice nicely put offensive team and their defense is especially their secondary it's not a bad team and they're a young defense too AJ Epinesa and and you got Ed Oliver on the, on the D line the what, excuse me? You got Edmonds. Yep. But then you got Tremaine Edmonds. Yep, Edmonds, like you said, on the linebacker spot, kind of DN, kind of a uh, hybrid. But then you look at like, Tredavious White is one of the best defensive backs in the league, and you got Micah Hyde back there too. That's a solid defense. <laughs> I just like the strides that Allen's made. Like his passing game it just seems so much better compared to last year and the year before. Like his offseason was like incredible this year. He had to work the thing even coming into the NFL, he needed to work on his accuracy. He's always had a cannon. You look at some of his his uh, Wyoming Combine or NFL Combine videos, or even in practice when he was at Wyoming, he's got a cannon. He could chuck the ball 65, 70 yards. 
It's just his accuracy was the main aspect to work on because a lot of times, it's, as mobile as he is, he wasn't as efficient throwing on the run. Well, also, they they really didn't have a definite number one receiver last year, didn't they? Ha- wasn't John Brown their number one guy? Yes, and John Brown and, and John Brown's been a very very consistent player the last I mean, few years. You, you got Cole Beasley, but he's not like a deep threat guy. He's no, your John, little slot receiver. Is, but before, no, Beasley, but I know. Yeah, I'm saying Diggs is was such a big pickup for them that uh, Allen can have a guy that he can consistently rely on if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I but, agree, it, and that really opens things up. And Devin Singletary is a nice, mobile, versatile running back who can do great things. He's another one of those dual threat running backs like you like. I mean, he not only had 71 yards in the rushing on the ground, he also had 50 yards through the air as well. So a little bit of all-purpose yardage that Devin Singletary contributed for Buffalo's offense. So, so Dan, you know, but yes, to answer, to answer your question, <laughs> I do, I, I do, I do think so. Now, here's the deal. Obviously, I think the only two main threats, or I should say, three threats that stand in the way, are Kansas, or four threats, I'll say, Kansas City, Baltimore, which as I say, that game just started right now. And then you have Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. Otherwise, I think that Tampa they are... Bay, that's in, that's the wrong division here. Oh, sorry. I meant, sorry. Yes, you're right. Sorry, I, I was I was kind of counting too fast in my head. But otherwise, you look at Pittsburgh as the third threat. And if they can kind of keep the momentum going throughout the regular season and then into, into postseason, I do think there's a chance. And I mean, so it's also sleep. early though, Cam, too. So anything can right. happen. I mean, don't don't sleep on New England with Belichick there and Cam Newton. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the Bills have a pretty pretty strong shot at winning the division, but don't count the Patriots out just yet. We'll do. We'll keep that in mind. But otherwise, uh, as much as we'd love to continue into our NFL discussion, there's so much more we could talk through in terms of this last weekend and fantasy football, we need to move on to our next segment. So we'll take a quick break here. And when we return, we'll kind of go through some NBA, NBA final stuff and give our thoughts and opinions on that. So don't leave us stay, stay here and we'll be right back. Hey everybody. Welcome back to this segment of the Wenzel perspective. We're going to finally get into some NBA after lots of lots of NFL discussion this episode in the past couple episodes. So hopefully uh, we kind of re- re- have regained our NBA perspective come this segment. So now, Cam, after an interesting summer that's gone by, the NBA post or the, excuse me, the NBA season was postponed for a couple months due to COVID, and everything started up July 31st, and now we're almost in October, and the NBA finals are upon us. We have the Miami Heat going up against the Los Angeles Lakers should be an interesting matchup. Miami Heat are the hottest team in the league right now. What do you, what are your thoughts? Are you kind of excited to see this matchup? Were you kind of hoping to see a different matchup? What are you, uh, what are your thoughts here? Well, obviously I wanted the Bucks to make the finals, but as soon as they were out, I knew I wanted the Heat to make it out of the East. I definitely didn't want Boston in there. That was the last team I wanted, and then also. Being a big LeBron fan out of the West, I would like to see them in there. So that's kind of what I wanted to be at. So this is kind of the finals that I wanted outside of the Bucks in there. I was hoping the Nuggets would have made it just because I don't think the Nuggets have been in that position. Well, if, up for if, a long if LeBron time. wasn't going to make it, I wanted the Nuggets to make it. 
Yeah, I, I still wanted the Nuggets to win, but I mean, I'm glad LeBron's in it now. This is his 10th NBA Finals. That's more than a lot of other teams in our franchise history can even account for. So it's another legendary thing that LeBron goes. But of course, his haters will say, "Oh, he's three and six in the finals. So uh, what, what's the difference? What's what's the difference with that?" Well, you got to make the finals anyway to get there. So just saying, you won't right. go into that discussion right now. Um, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, first the first thing you said right now is how hot the heat were but i don't think people realize just how hot like the lakers are i mean they've won every they've only lost three games one game in every series and i guess the heat have lost three too but uh they lost two in this last series so i mean i think the lakers are just as hot as they are i think people just acknowledge the heat more because they're a lower seed yeah under the radar yep and that's kind of how it's gonna go because you got a team if you look at in terms of players on Miami's team, in terms of notable guys, you think of Jimmy Butler, and that's kind of all you think of. But obviously, Bam had a bio is a rising star. Gordon Dredrick's an NBA veteran who's done well in his career and this playoff. Tyler Hero's a rising star, of course, Wisconsin boy. But those guys, you don't have the reputation like LeBron or Anthony Davis, you know, guys like that. So they're the ones that are going to be kind of the – the Lakers got a lot of lot of playoff experience, a lot of playoff experience. So it should be interesting to see how Miami can counter that. Eric Spolstra himself has that playoff experience as a coach, especially in the finals. Frank Bogo's more just a finals one. So it, I like this matchup. I think it could be uh, could be interesting if Miami keeps doing their thing. I think they can take another reign since the LeBron Miami Heat era. I mean, if I'm the Heat, I am happy where we're at because. I love the matchups that the Heat have defensively against the Lakers. I mean, you have Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala who can guard LeBron. And I just saw online that LeBron has his worst field goal percentage in the league when guarded by those two guys. And then you got uh, Adebayo can take Davis. And then really from there, like I said, you got those two that can take LeBron or Crowder. And then I don't really see any other matchup problems for the Heat anyways. You, you And the thing is, Miami sh- big guys can shoot. Pretty much the majority of the guys in the Heat team can shoot. So what's that mean for guys like – I mean, I'm not worried about Anthony Davis because for a big guy, Anthony Davis is a pretty good perimeter defender. But you look at guys like Kyle Kuzma, who's technically a four, Dwight Howard, Markeith Morris. Now Morris is kind of hurt right well, now. Well, I mean, Adebayo is not going to step out and shoot a three. He might shoot no, a jumper from the free throw line. But, well, that too, or you can even hit the 18, 19-foot shot too. Adebayo really expanded his range even through a nice mid-range game. But it's also going to be a challenge now for some of these not as mobile Laker bigs to make sure that they're playing in perimeter D. I think JaVel McGee is actually a pretty good perimeter D guy for for his size. I'm not saying he's slow and dopey, though, but it's going to be a challenge because they don't have – the teams that they face don't have the consistent amount of big-time guys that are shooters from the outside. Not just saying three-pointers, but perimeters, meaning – I don't don't see – like a guy that Dwight Howard can really guard. Like they don't really have like a solidified big that's going to just sit in the post. And that's the thing. Miami doesn't. So that, you know, if you think about it, Howard might bode well offensively. He may be down low and they just lob it to him and Miami might just hack him and rely on Howard to make free throws. Otherwise, as in terms of defense, I think Miami has got to be saying, or excuse me, in terms of offense, Miami, Miami, they're saying, Hey, that's, not a good matchup in terms of Dwight Howard looking to defend 
because Kelly Olenek can shoot from on the outside. And while Bam Adebayo is more of the mid, they're not a big team, Miami. Lakers are the big team by far in terms of size. So <laughs> Howard might feast down low, but I think Howard's going to get a real big challenge as a defender in the postseason. Well, the Lakers, I mean, I think with their big advantage is just their experience. I mean, they're, even the, just their finals experience. Um, the Heat, you mean? Who, no, the Lakers, their finals experience. I mean, like, who do the Heat even have? I mean, obviously they have Iguodala who's made it, but outside of Iguodala, who else has finals experience? I mean, do you look at the Lakers? You got LeBron, obviously. And did then he even, like, make it or no? I, I don't think he did. He's been on a lot of playoff teams, but I don't think he's ever made it to the finals. Cleveland's 2016 team? Was he on that team? That's what I thought he was. It could be wrong. I'm just I'm kind of zoning out when it comes to the last few years now with, with sports and all that. But I mean, I don't you just like the role players though for the Lakers. You look at Rondo's got playoff experience. Dwight Howard's got playoff experience. I mean, that that can be a big factor. Javel McGee. Yeah, finals experience too. That's uh, what I'm saying. I'm just going purely yep. finals experience. Yep. I'm just saying Dwight Howard does too. So Quinn Cook, and he was he in the Warriors teams? Yep, he was. I don't even know. Has he even? I don't even know if he's getting minutes. Not a lot, but if they, you know, he's a he's a solid quality point guard. He comes in and given I like Quinn. Extra I, I, like I mean, I don't see him really having much playoff time just because or playing time just because you have LeBron and Rondo that can handle the ball. Well, that and I think he can be just as better of an off an off ball guard though too. That's why right. I'm surprised they haven't. I'm surprised Danny Green's been getting the minutes as he has because how bad he's been struggling. Especially his job is to shoot the basketball from anywhere on the floor, and he's not shooting. It's well, what kind of consistent production are you going to get? His PER rating is ten. That's awful for the amount of minutes that he gets. Well, I mean, I'd rather have him in than KCP. I think KCP is one of the worst players in the league. Gosh, they both, he just they bothers both, me. They <laughs> both hurt though. So, yeah, Cantavius Caldwell Pope has not been efficient either. None of those guys really. You look at a guy like a rookie like Talon Horton Tucker at Iowa State, who's played only two games, but he's been really efficient. But of course, he's inexperienced, so he's not going to see those big moments. So, I, <laughs> you're if you're a Laker, you're pretty much going to see Anthony Davis and LeBron on the floor like 97 percent of the time, or at least uh, one of those guys is on the floor the whole time, unless they're up by so many that they don't need to, you know if they're up by a considerable amount over Miami in any game, they're not going to have them in. I mean, I think Frank Vogel is going to try to stick to what they've been doing. I think he's going to try to get LeBron the rest he needs. And I don't think they want to kind of get out. I, I mean, I think they want to try to stick to the game plan of what they've been doing. I mean, unless it starts getting to like game four, game five, and it's like a tight series, I think LeBron's minutes will kind of stay the same. I can see that. That's uh. It'll be interesting, though. It's obviously a different, a different background. There's not the, the typical crowd you'd see at an NBA Finals to get people, get these players going. You know, it's it, it'll be interesting to see. I think it should be a good matchup, though. I, I think certainly Miami can take the whole thing. I do. I, I I'll make my prediction right now, and I got the Lakers winning in six games. I got them beating Miami four to two. Yep, in these that's what I was going to go with. That's kind of where I'm at right now with that. If the Heat so, win, if the Heat win, it's going to be in seven. I don't see it any other way. <laughs> yeah, it's 
as well as Miami's played so far, and they only got three losses this whole playoff. That's unreal. And you, <laughs> it's pretty much had, they swept what they swept Indiana, lost one to Milwaukee, and then lost two to Boston. So zero one two is pretty much how their losses in each series went. So, I think I think a lot's gonna ride on the performance of Dragic and Crowder. Yeah, the they gotta. Those guys, especially Dragic, as as good as he's been, he's been the Heat leading scorer of these playoffs. He really, he really crucified the Bucks. I think he'll be a, a big X factor, considering he'll have somebody like KCP guarding him. He's he's got to shoot well and take good shots. That's kind of key for a key for Miami to for uh, success. One interesting thing so far, if you look at the team layout, now the Lakers have been averaging more per game points per game as a team. But the Lakers only have three guys in double figures, as the Heat have six guys averaging in double figures. The only other guy in the Lakers that averages in double figures besides LeBron and Anthony Davis is Kyle Kuzma. And well, then KCP, KCP is a hair under. All right. I don't even know if the Heat have anybody that's averaging 20 again. Is Butler even averaging they, 20? Butler's averaging just under 21, and Goran Dragic, excuse me, is averaging just under 21. Oh. Like, the bio's at 18 and a half. Oh, Kyle, yeah. If you're going half. strictly, yeah, playoffs. Basically, yeah. points per game per 48 minutes, pretty much. Yeah. Right. But that's kind of where we're at with that. So, let's see if the, the Lakers can find them just as much consistent production as Miami has been finding, too. And on the defensive side, both teams have been doing solid as well. Otherwise, we have our prediction with that. Is there anything else that you think we need to cover in terms of the NBA Finals? I don't know. I don't, I'm just, I guess, looking forward to LeBron getting his fourth ring. <laughs> I know people will probably uh, contemplate your statement you just made there because LeBron, and I'm sure the most of the NBA fan world is rooting for the Heat just because of LeBron. But – Here's the thing. I, I do want the Lakers win because of LeBron, not because of the Lakers. I'm not a fan of the Lakers team. But I wouldn't mind seeing the Heat win because of the franchise. I've, yeah, they've won enough. Well, that was because LeBron gave them the Heat their championships other than Wade in 06. So it'll be, yeah, so it'll be fun. A, they've won enough. <laughs> it'll be fun, though. Will the older, experienced Lakers team take it over the younger, experienced Miami Heat? We'll see. Like I said, I got Lakers going up four to two in the NBA Finals for the twenty twenty NBA Finals. So I, know, I hope I hope it goes to six games. I don't want to see a, yeah, I don't want to see a sweep or something. I want it to at least be a semi close finals. At least six games, especially. I mean, it gives you it gives you a sense of uh, uh, a conf- sense of confidence that the Lakers can pull it off in at least five games because of the way they handle the Nuggets, and the Nuggets have been playing some good basketball in these playoffs. Right. Especially Jamal Murray, who's been probably the – you could probably say the hottest player in the whole playoffs in terms of just being an impact player, shooting, playmaker, just a big overall threat on the offensive side. Really, really kept Denver in these playoffs. So it's been some nice things to watch in terms of the NBA Finals or excuse me, the playoffs where we had been through this whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, is there anything else that you uh, had to comment about I've, this segment conclude? I think that'll about do it. Well, there we have it. That's kind of what we have for our thoughts for the NBA finals. And hopefully the NBA finals will start this Wednesday. So if you get a chance, if you're still watching sports or if you decide to turn the TV off with that, hopefully you get a chance to watch it's, almost over. In fact, 
2020-21 season is supposed to be actually starting theoretically in the upcoming weeks, but it's obviously a different story. So with that being said, we'll wrap up today's episode. Hope everybody had uh, some nice thoughts about our, our insight today. Hopefully we helped everybody out and gave some good, good content. Anybody's got a question for Cam and I, hopefully we'll get a question segment in soon. It's been a while. But if anybody's got a question for Cam and I, you can always reach out to us. We're up on our, we're up on social media now with Instagram and Twitter. Come check that out. And we'll have a new rankings for NFL this week sometime. And Cam will have that up on Instagram. So hopefully it's, uh, it's not too much of a description. I'll gladly debate anybody on my wide receiver list if anybody wants to. So that seems like your list was has a better reputation than mine so far. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, that will conclude today's episode. And hopefully we'll see you again for our next one that comes out soon. So thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Take care.